Welcome to the Mid the Pines podcast, a place where Grove City College alumni and faculty give voice to their unique stories, contributions, and accomplishments. Our community is blessed with many individuals who are often recognized for their proficiency, purpose, and principles, all celebrated hallmarks of the distinctive Grove City College education. Learn more about their God-given callings and the work they are undertaking for the common good. These are their personal and professional stories. Hello, this is Amy Evans from Grove City College, and I'm joined today by alumnus Dr. Andy Sems, class of 1995. Dr. Sems is one of our most accomplished alumni who will soon be returning to campus for the college's 142nd commencement to address our class of 2022. After graduating from Grove City College, summa cum laude, Dr. Sems completed his medical training at The Ohio State University and his orthopedic surgery residency at the Cleveland Clinic with fellowships in Austria and at the University of Minnesota Hennepin County Medical Center. Since 2005, he has been affiliated with the world-famous Mayo Clinic, where he oversees the Limb Lengthening and Regeneration Clinic. He serves with a team of doctors working to repair bones, improve and restore function, and allow normal alignment of the body. Dr. Sems lives in Rochester, Minnesota with his wife, Heidi Diamond Sems, class of 1993, and their children, Monica, Luke, Caroline, and Charlie. Dr. Sems, welcome to our Mid the Pines podcast. We are so grateful for this opportunity to get to know you. Well, thanks for having me today. It's a real pleasure to be here with you and talk to you today. Dr. Sims, to kick us off, I want to start with your mechanical engineering degree. When and how did you get interested in mechanical engineering? Well, I always loved building and fixing things. When I was a kid, I built go-karts and contraptions. I built a contraption to close the door to my room and with a motor and a pulleys. And I just loved taking things apart. One time, I remember my mom brought home a old copier that they were throwing out at her office and I took that thing into every single bit and piece and part you can imagine I never put it back together but it's always been fascinating to me how how machines work and um, it's just um, when I when I went to college I decided to study engineering um, and uh, mostly at my the request of my father who said you know you're an engineer you should study engineering this is this you've always built things you should it, it's a natural fit for you. And so uh, I knew I wanted to be a doctor early, but my father said, Let's, you can still go to medical school with an engineering degree. It was a hard pill to swallow maybe at the time, but it, it's very wise advice. And, and uh, as people say, you know, you, you realize how smart your parents are once you are a parent. Um, <laughs> and I certainly, it, I've realized that for quite a while that my dad had a great, great insight into what I should be studying. That's great. In line with you decided mechanical engineering, you then came to Grove City College. So what led you to attend Grove City? Was it the degree that you were choosing or was there any sort of connection that you had to the college that brought you here? I have a brother who's a year and a half older than me, uh, Rick. Rick was a student at Grove City College. He got put onto the college from some friends in our community um, who's had children that went here, went to Grove City. And so my brother, played football and I would come out almost every Saturday after my football games on Friday night and watch him play. 
my whole junior senior year coming out watching uh, football. I got to know the campus. I would come to little brother weekends where I would stay in the dorm with my brother and all his friends and just saw what a great place it was. Um, I'm not sure how, uh, how much I really thought about academics. I didn't study very much in high school. Uh, I <laughs> really buckled down in college. Um, so I don't know if academics were the forefront of my thought, but in the end, I made a great decision. And we've had a long history of family members, Semses attending Grove City College. My sister also attended, my wife, my brother's wife. I've had one niece graduate. I've got a niece and a nephew currently who are students. So there are a long, long road of Semses attached to the college. Absolutely. That is a legacy. Um, and it's really cool to see how people are connected through their community and their family. Well, your personal experience that did bring you here, um, you kind of alluded to this. People enjoy to hear about the extracurriculars at Grove City College. So I want to talk about your experience. What were you involved with at Grove City College outside of sure. academics? Yeah. Um, outside of academics, I played on the football team for four years. Um, I played with my brother for the first two years, which was a lot of fun. That took up most of the fall. My freshman year, I, I spent about a month and a half maybe on the basketball team. Coach Barr decided that basketball wisely wasn't in my future. I was more of a football player. So um, I played intramural basketball and intramural softball, intramural sports. I was in a housing group. Those kind of kept me mostly busy during the uh, school year. In the, in the off season, you know, we'd still be working out and preparing for football. So it was kind of a year round thing. So you had a challenging major and I caught word that you were also a standout athlete and a man on campus that a lot of people knew. You held some positions there that people recognized you. How did you manage all of that with your academic schedule? I don't know if I was a standout man on campus. I was just another student, but <laughs> I, um, what I would do is, after practice, I would go back and I'd, I would get all my work done. I would study in my dorm, in my room, till I uh, got all my work accomplished, however long that took. And in our housing group, we would just be up on the floor and I would kind of work and take a few minutes to hang out and take a few more minutes to do some more studying. Um, and then when it really came down to it, I kind of took the approach of closing myself off and focusing on my on my work. There would come a time when I have to just close the door to my dorm room and be alone in there working on the projects or the uh, the problems or whatever we're working on solving. So I don't know how I managed it. I just, I got in a routine, I guess. I would come back and practice, study till I was done, then have some pizza with my friends and go to bed. Um, it, it seemed to work pretty well for me. To shift more to the academic side, are there faculty members who have made an influence on your education that you continue to think about today? Yeah. Dr. Klaus was definitely one. She was relatively new, I think, when I started at Grove City. Um, she taught, I think I had her for at least two um, semesters of fluid dynamics, and she liked to do things right. She you know, taught us the, the principles and the processes, and I, I really took to how she taught us. She ended up being my advisor for my independent study project, which I did my senior year. I did a, a project where we modeled some blood flow in carotid arteries and I changed the flow rates. I built an artificial little atherosclerotic plaque on the vessel to see how it changed the blood flow and how the, the currents and the eddies changed in the areas of different shearing along the wall of the vessel to see if that had anything to do with 
why these plaques developed in this area. In the end, it had nothing to do with orthopedics, but it was fluid dynamics and it, it was it was great. I, I still finally remember Dr. Helfenstein, who was my thermodynamics teacher, and he had toughest tests. He'd have five or six problems on the whole test. Sometimes you only get done with three or four of them. Uh, I still tell the story of to my kids about you know why it's important to show your work because I took a test with Dr. Helfenstein and I out of six questions, I got zero correct answers, but I still scored one of the highest scores in the test because I just made stupid little errors. He was cared more about the process of learning and solving problems than he did the final number right now. And that that's a lesson that um, I'm trying to teach my kids and my residents and my students that the process of getting to the solution is the important part to learn. You'll iron out the little glitches along the way. And so I, I always think of the thermodynamics taught me that uh, aspect. Those were those were a couple of people that I really think about. That's wonderful. And you really kind of answered my next question, but if you can elaborate too, I am really curious because of the intensity of mechanical engineering in the classes from an outside perspective we hear often about, as well as just your involvement extracurriculars at Grove City College, how did all of those things help prepare you for your continued education after Grove City as well as your current career? Right. Well, my education right afterwards, so medical school. Medical school is pretty competitive. I mean, it, you get there, there, everyone is finishing the top of their undergraduate classes. Um, there's competition to perform well. There's competition to get competitive residencies and certain competitive specialties. So it's, it's, it's very competitive. I think that my, uh, my undergraduate process of, of being able to study with some noise and excitement around me and also being able to shut that off and confine myself to my dorm room or wherever my study place was is very helpful because there in medical school there's a lot of that little noise around you from your fellow students who are jockeying for uh, their position and so I think that helped me uh, in medical school now beyond that in my life and in my practice you know being a physician uh, is a lot of, like being a detective. You have to take the clues that you're given and put them together to figure out what's happening. And my specialty is no different. Rarely do I get to see someone who has such a clear, easy thing. It's A, B, we're going to do C, that's all there is to it. It's often taking little pieces and parts, putting them together and, and creating a solution that works. In my practice, it involves plates and screws, metal rods, figuring out where to put them, how we're going to put them in, how we're going to use the implants, the materials. And so uh, that's engineering, and that's the process that I learned in Dr. Helfenstein, Dr. Klaus's classes of learning the process of solving a problem and working through the steps logically to get the solution. Uh, so it, it, it applies every day. Dr. Sums, it's encouraging to hear how your experience at Grove City in your academics as well as your extracurriculars has prepared you for the career where you are today. We are going to talk with you more about your career, but first we are going to take a break and we will be right back. The Grove City College Alumni Office wants to know the best way to contact you and the most recent changes in your life. Edit your alumni profile at alumni.gcc.edu update. This includes your home and work address, your last name, if recently married, and your email address and much more. By keeping the college updated, the online alumni directory allows you to stay in touch with classmates, find fraternity brothers or sorority sisters, and locate alumni in your region or area of expertise. 
you can use the alumni directory at alumni.gcc.edu slash alumni directory. Thank you for keeping in touch. We are back with Dr. Sims, class of 1995. We talked a lot about your time at Grove City College as a student and your journey. Um, now I'd love to shift it to after Grove City College. If you could just tell us a little bit more about your calling to mechanical engineering, your overall career journey, the steps that you took to get to where you are today. Sure. My overall career journey started relatively young. When I was in middle school, I fractured my elbow. I was, uh, we had a playground out back and in, in our lunch period, you would go out and you would play. And then on the way back, you would come back in and it had rained that day. And I, so I just eaten lunch. I went out to play and on the, when they rang the bell to come back in, I tried jumping over a mud puddle. I didn't make it all the way, fell on my arm. I had a fracture. And anybody that's had surgery knows that one thing they tell you to do before surgery is, is you can't eat. And the reason you can't eat is because if they put you under anesthesia and you, you, you could vomit or you could you know can compromise your airway because of the food in your stomach. So when people have eaten, we will often, and we have to do a surgery emergently, we'll often do a regional anesthetic where we just put part of their body to sleep. And that's, what, that's something that we don't really do in children that often anymore. But I was lucky enough to have that done. So they put my arm to sleep with some medication and a, and a technique they use. And um, I was awake during the, the surgery. I didn't feel anything, but I could hear, I could see. I, they had the uh, x-ray machine, the fluoroscopic uh, monitor um, next to me. And I could see the metal pins. I could hear them being driven. The, the, it's an air drill zzz, as the pins are advanced across the bone, across the fracture. I saw these pins. I just thought that was awesome. And uh, my doctor put me into a splint and I had the pins in for four or five weeks. And then I, they were sticking out through the skin so I could see the ends of the pins. And I remember like opening up and just looking at these pins going through the through the skin into the bone, thinking that is awesome. That is so cool. He fixed me just like I fixed the broken light switch or the whatever at home that I that I would fix at that time. Um, and so I thought, this is this is really cool. I got to do this. And then after about four weeks, he brought me into the clinic and he just took a little pair of pliers and pulled them right out. And I thought for sure it was going to be, you know, torture. And it, I didn't feel a thing. Uh, and so even to this day, I still use this technique periodically for certain injuries. And uh, it's nice to be able to tell a patient, honestly, I've had this done to me. It's not that big a deal. You can have the pins come out. So that got me towards the, the medical field. And then from Grove City and, and beyond, we talked about my father encouraging me to do engineering. Um, my mother obviously encouraged me to do medicine. She signed me up for a program when I must have been shortly thereafter, maybe sixth, seventh grade, where we went to our local library and we got to dissect rats, I think. And uh, it was fascinating, the anatomy. Uh, of, of the, later that summer, our cat brought, brought in a dead chipmunk that I decided I thought we would dissect that in the garage as well, which uh, my mom thinks she may have regretted signing me up for that class at that time, but she had a dissected <laughs> chipmunk in her garage. Uh, but beyond that, we went to medical school at Ohio State. Um, uh, it was very competitive. You know, a lot of really great students there. Um, worked hard to get good scores and get good grades. Um, then applied for residency. At the, and uh, I'm, after medical school, you, you match. So what you do is you apply for a residency position. Everyone applies. Then you rank all the programs you're interested in. And then they rank you. They rank students back. And on one day in March, a computer matches everyone up together. And um, I matched at my top choice, which was the Cleveland Clinic. 
And I spent five years in Cleveland doing orthopedic surgery, learning from many great surgeons how to fix broken bones, how to do joint replacements and fusions, and learn all about the musculoskeletal system. In my third or fourth year of residency, I got a chance to work at the county hospital in Cleveland in the trauma center. And I found that I was the happiest when I was fixing broken bones. And so I did a fellowship after my training. I went to Austria for a short period of time with my wife and had a great time there. And then we went to Minneapolis to the county hospital uh, there at Hennepin County and uh, studied for a year of specialty of, of orthopedic trauma surgery. After that, I had to find a job and I looked around at several places. I knew I wanted to be in a place with residents and it wanted to be a place that did research, a place that took care of patients at the highest level who were the sickest, who had the most complicated problems. And there was no place uh, better in the world than the Mayo Clinic to do that. And moved to Rochester and I've been there now 17 years. So your current focus at the Mayo Clinic, could you elaborate a little bit about that and particularly what you do as an orthopedic surgeon? Orthopedic surgeons work on the musculoskeletal system, so bones, tendons, some nerves, and my work mostly focuses on you know bones and soft tissue uh, of the musculoskeletal system. As, as a trauma surgeon, I trained in fixing broken bones, and uh, I've developed a practice doing correction of deformities as well. That's kind of a natural offshoot of trauma surgery because um, in order to fix most of these deformities, the first thing you have to do is what a lot of people consider re-breaking the bone. We, it's, it's a little more controlled than that, but you have to create an unstable bone and then you have to put it back in place and fix it much like we do with someone who's in a car accident. So fixing deformities is a natural uh, parallel practice to to fixing traumas. Um, so I've we, we started up a, a little clinic here, the Limb Lengthening and Regeneration Clinic, where we do deformity correction, uh, limb salvage work for patients who have extremity injuries that uh, are complicated that may or may not be worth or able to be salvaged. Um, we do limb lengthening, which is the next kind of offshoot of deformity correction. And so my daily practice would be, you know, correcting a crooked limb, cutting the bone, straightening it, putting a metal plate or rod in there, putting another device on there to slowly correct it. Um, then the next day I might be putting a metal rod in someone who got in a car accident or fell off of their combine or um, got crushed by their skid load or something like that. Wow. So a little bit earlier, you talked about the impact that your experience was as a child and having your fractured bone fixed. And now you're dealing with a lot of patients having similar stories, maybe more um, traumatic, but of course there's an impact that your work has on individuals, just like the work of another doctor had on you. Are there any stories that really affirms this career path as your God-given calling? Every patient that does well <laughs> affirms my career path. And hopefully that's most, if not all of my patients. Um, the the kind of unique things about uh, the um, affirming my career path in in the trauma patients are that you know these patients um, are people that you meet often on a really terrible day for them. They've had they may have mangled themselves to the point where they'll never be exactly the same. They may have lost a loved one. They've had a significant trauma. So that's that's a really uh, it's a really special place to be able to be involved with someone at that time in their life, because there's not a lot of people that, that they see that day. And to be one of them, uh, it gives you the potential to have a huge impact. The other 
part of my practice are the people who have had crooked or deformed limbs. And these didn't just happen overnight. These often have been things they developed in childhood or developed over time and have lived with for several years. And it's, it's a real affirming uh, feeling to do the surgery, get them to the recovery room. They finally wake up to the point where they can be awake enough to look at their limb. They see that their leg is pointing the right direction and it's straight and it's instant. It's this instant reward, which we rarely get in medicine, where someone is wakes up, looks at the leg and it's all of a sudden straight and they're very um, pleased with it. It's it's a great feeling to, to see their face when they smile and look at their leg is it's been crooked for their whole life or out of place for the last 20 years and put it back uh, and it's right back there and they're satisfied. That's awesome. Well, it's exciting to hear your story and I know you're going to have an opportunity to share more of it with our class of 2022 as you return to campus to serve as our commencement speaker. Um, how do you feel about returning as a commencement speaker, first of all, and is there any sort of sneak peek preview you can give us on your speech? Uh, I'm excited to come back. I, I served on the Alumni Council for, for a while, and I would come back regularly for that. I was just there a few months ago visiting my nephew and, and looking at some things. Um, you know, I'm not your typical uh, commencement speaker. And I'll talk a little bit about that. What's uh, what's different about me? What, you know, I'm just a guy who goes into the, the hospital and, and takes care of one person at a time. I come home with, you know, blood on my socks. And it's not that um, glamorous or exciting thing that, that people always think that surgery, surgery is. Uh, I'm, I'm not a famous person. I don't, you know, I don't... Uh, I'm not on TV. I'm not on the newspaper every day like many commencement speakers are. My impact is is a very much more focused uh, impact in, on the world. And I'm going to talk to the students and the graduates and the and the parents about how their lives can be like this. You don't have to go to medical school to have impact on people. We can all impact others around us in a very deep, in a very profound way every day don't have to be a famous celebrity, author, actor, athlete, politician to uh, change the world around you uh, regularly. So I'm going to talk a bit about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, trying to leave things better than where you found them. And I think that's a rule my mother instilled in us, in my brother and I, my sister and I. And I think it's a, a real basic uh, approach to life that seems to be effective at making things better. Well, that sounds exciting and encouraging. And I know we are looking forward to you coming back to campus to share those things to the class, um, to all in attendance. So I also just want to thank you for today, for the time that you spent with us, Dr. Sims. Um, your story has passion to it. It's neat to see how your skills from Grove City College have contributed to the success and meaningful career that you hold. And we just look forward to seeing you here and sending off the class of 2022 to make a difference in our world just as you have. Thanks for having me today. And as a reminder to our listeners, Dr. Sims, class of 1995 will address our 2022 graduates at commencement on May 14th at 10 a.m. You can tune into the live stream for commencement at www.gcc.edu slash commencement. Thank you for listening to the Mid the Pines podcast. Explore more episodes at alumni.gcc.edu slash podcast. 
Our co-producers are Joni Baumgartner and Amy Evans. Research provided by Janice Zinsner Inman, class of 1987. Audio editing is provided by Jennifer Hiles. Our theme music is Home, courtesy of the family of the late David M. Bailey, class of 1988. Contact us at alumni at gcc.edu for more information. We hope you'll join us again, Mid the Pines.